tired of tracking your calories and points? Are you sick of feeling crappy in your body or in your clothes? Are you drowning in constant food and body thoughts? Do you feel like you're always negotiating exercise and food with yourself? If any of these sound familiar, you aren't alone. And the Diet Riders membership is the perfect place for you to learn how to drop dieting, pick back up your life, reclaim your thoughts, and your health. Join now by clicking the link in the description box below to get support and guidance along other women in this community. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Diet Ride Podcast. I'm Alyssa Miller. And I'm Brooke Miller, and we're both dietitians. Both moms. Both from the Midwest. Both live in Denver. And we have a special guest for you today. All right, boop, we, have, boop, boop. we have Jenna here, and she we're going to throw it over to her, to her to introduce herself. Hey, guys. Yeah, it's Jenna Corsi. I'm a registered dietitian as well. Um, yeah, a little bit about myself. I am born and raised in Boston, but I currently live in Hawaii, which is a dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like total <laughs> opposites. That's amazing. It's, yeah. I'm super blessed amazing. to live here. It's, it, uh, came out of nowhere. Kind of, I was coming on here for vacation and coming here to vacation with my sister. And I was like, I'm just going to move there after the vacation. Yeah. Heck so, yeah. My sister incredible. went back home. I'm just going to stay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> Why not? That is so yeah. cool. Hey, I when that. I came to Colorado, um, when my parents took me here on a ski trip when I was in sixth grade, and I literally was like, that's where I'm going to college. Like, I don't oh, care wow. what yeah. college it is. I just want to be in Colorado. And sure enough, that's, that's how I got great. here. So. You knew what you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, now we have a free place to exactly. stay when we want to go. Exactly. So, you have with all the assumptions. I know. You have a free uh-huh. place. Free place. Perfect. I'll be your tour guide. Plenty that's of amazing. Plenty of spots I can show you. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. So Jenna, I mean, I, if, if listeners out there are not already following her on Instagram, she is at balance.nutrition on Instagram. She's incredible. Um, yeah, Jenna, can you tell us a little bit more about like what you specialize on and maybe even a little bit of how you came to be an intuitive eating dietitian? Sure, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I went to college in Boston, so at Framingham state, um, did my internship at Cal state long beach, um, throughout college. I, and I feel like this is very common for us nutrition students. I dealt with my <laughs> disordered eating and uh, restrictiveness and over-exercising, all of that mm. stuff. Um, and it was just super harmful. It impacted all aspects of life and just took away from life, you know. Um, mm. And I, uh, yeah, I always enjoyed food going growing up. I always say, like, my mom taught me to cook healthy meals and just really enjoyed um, food around the table and with company. And then my Nana, she's Italian. So she taught me all the, the good Italian foods, how to cook all those ones and super, super great. Uh, so yeah, I, I grew up with a healthy relationship around food for the most part. And then, you know, college having lots of knowledge around food made you feel like, you know, you had to restrict or you had to be a perfect eater, quote unquote, which that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, no, so I, I got into intuitive eating when I was at my internship at Cal State, Cal State Long Beach. And so when I was there, I forget how it came to be, but someone was like, oh, you should read this book. Once I read it, I was like, oh, I've been doing this all wrong. Like, this is such a great approach to eating that I need to follow because I've been just stressing about food and overthinking things mm-hmm. and 
uh, all, all of it. It was just not a not healthy, not a healthy relationship with food that I had. So after I read it, I um, just started to do more research around it and looking at the studies and looking at um, the positive outcomes from other women. And yeah, that's, that's how I got into intuitive eating um, and started my practice in 20, uh, 2019, so February 2019, um, because I knew that, okay, I was in this place and it was not good and not healthy. And I want to take women from that place that I was in to a healthier relationship with food. Yes. I love, I love that so much. I know. And you so powerful. I was just going to say like, once you experience intuitive eating for yourself and you see how like life changing Mm -hmm. it truly is for yourself. I feel like that's why all of us dietitians are like, oh my gosh, everybody needs this right now. Because when you live your life for so long eating restricted and you don't even necessarily feel like you're experiencing disordered eating, which we've all been there where we're like, Oh, it's just normal. I'm just dieting. I'm just doing weight watchers. I'm just counting my calories. I'm just eating 1200 calories a day. It's not a big deal. And then when we finally get to the other side and like, look back, you just realize how amazing life is when you're actually experiencing it. And so I love that that's your story too, like so many dietitians, um, and that like you get to now change other people's lives. And I would love to hear, I would love to hear more specifically how you end up how you ended up specifically working with women with eating disorders. Cause I think that that is, um, we need, we need so many more dietitians doing this work. Yeah. So, so excited to hear more about yeah, that. Absolutely. So I, it's so funny because in college, I remember saying to myself that I don't want to work with people, um, or I don't want to do bariatric surgery or like be in that, uh, field. And then I don't want to work with mm-hmm. people with eating disorders. I was like, that's too much. You know, I don't know. I don't know what yes. that, that seems like a lot. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are aware, but I did work at a bariatric facility, a weight, uh, weight management facility. Um, so it was weight management, probably like, I don't know, 75% weight management and then 25% uh, bariatric. And it was mainly mm-hmm. because I needed a job when I got here to Hawaii. And this was counseling yeah, sure. experience and it was like, okay, it's a little bit of bariatrics, but after doing that, that's when I was like, I cannot go back to that at all. Like I cannot, mm-hmm. cannot go back to that. And that is kind of what propelled me forward to getting into intuitive eating and eating disorders. Um, mm. yeah. Cause I just saw so much disordered eating at that facility and it was just not healthy, um, from all the knowledge that I have with, with school and just learning more about intuitive eating. And, uh, so yeah, that, that definitely changed things up, but I actually, I, I, I have a website and everything and, uh, health professionals, I have my stuff on there. And so, uh, the psychologist who runs the eating disorder facility where I work at now. So it's called Ipono. It's uh, in based in Hawaii. Um, they have a, a residential facility on Maui and then they have a outpatient facility on Oahu. And so he reached out to me seeing that I was doing intuitive eating, disordered eating. And at first I was like, mm, I don't know about this one. <laughs> you know, do I want to get into eating disorders? Um, and I, I don't know. I just felt the urge and like the, the, I don't know. I, I felt like this is where I'm supposed to go, the direction in which I'm supposed to go. And mm-hmm. I took the job and it's very part-time. Um, but since then I, again, am not looking back to like, Oh, I want to get back into bariatrics or weight management. It's like, no, this is, 
the direction in which mm -hmm. I'm headed because the amount of transformation that you can have in that you see in somebody's life and that you can have in someone's life through eating disorder recovery and intuitive eating is so, so rewarding. Um, mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I'm just learning more about it as I go, but I definitely never thought I would be here, never thought I would be an eating disorder dietitian. And, um, but I, I absolutely love it. Oh, Jenna, I can so relate yeah. to that. I remember thinking that in college and here's where like the disconnect was for me was everything I knew about nutrition, even everything I was being taught, like we were, I had an entire class based on yeah. weight management and the studies and blah, 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 all this stuff. We did not learn, Brooke and I have talked about this extensively on the podcast, but we didn't we weren't taught intuitive eating, mm -hmm. even as a method in college. I know they're starting to teach it now in some programs, which is incredible. But again, right. But again, they're really only teaching it as like a piece, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is one option that you can, you one approach. And it's like, okay, so at least they're teaching it, right? First steps sure. first. Yeah. But in college, I learned so much of this other stuff that I've basically had to repro or unprogram or whatever, reprogram in my brain. But when I saw um, eating disorders, I too threw up my hands like, no way, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. And I think the reason is the more I look at it, kind of Brooke, what you're saying, like the further away we can get from it, the more black and white it looks and like, oh, it was actually not bad, my own disordered eating. But same thing with like how rooted in diet culture, dietetics training yeah. is and has been for so long yeah. that when we look at eating disorders, we go, Okay, I know there's a disconnect here because I know what I know what I know yeah. won't work because mm -hmm. you're basically treating like you're throwing gasoline on a fire, right? You're like, well, what I know is to count calories and track your food and da da da. And we see someone with an eating disorder, and we know that's not right, but we don't necessarily know any other approach because even in our studies, that's what we were taught was like you put them on a calorie plan and do all these things. And we're not getting into today how to treat an eating disorder, but I just kind of wanted to point out, like once I realized that intuitive eating is an approach or the yes. approach, now full-blown eating disorders don't scare me as much because I'm like, okay, that is something I can get on board with introducing to someone with, you know, disordered eating or full-blown eating disorder. Like that is something I can stand behind and stand firm in. And kind of what you were saying, like when I first read intuitive eating, things started to line up internally for me that I wasn't able to put yes. words to because, and that's so like redundant, but it felt so intuitive, right? Like, yes, this is what we were meant to do. This is what my body has been begging me to do for years. So it really truly felt so intuitive. So mm -hmm. I guess also I would love to ask you in your practice, working with people with eating disorders, and we've kind of talked a little bit, I know it's kind of a blurred line, like mm -hmm. at what point is it a full-blown mm -hmm. eating disorder versus disordered eating? Yeah. But I'd love for you to talk us through that if there are some guidelines that you follow when you to seek help um, in like an institution like you work at versus just like, okay, I'm getting help through podcasts or through working in one-on-one -on -one with a dietitian kind of thing. And then also how intuitive eating plays a role in treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. So I definitely leave the, uh, well, I have to leave the diagnosis of an eating disorder to a um, trained professional that knows how to distinguish that because it is yeah. pretty tricky Absolutely. to determine. It depends on like the mm -hmm. frequency of behavior. So we look at the behaviors of somebody and um, because for those of you who may not know, an eating disorder is a mental illness. It's not... Um, right. yeah, that, that's just what it is. Yeah. So, um, I am not necessarily trained in psychology and just understanding mental illnesses to, I mean, obviously eating disorders, but, 
um, leave it, leave it to the mm -hmm. professionals to determine that. But, um, yeah, it depends on the yeah. frequency of the behaviors. It depends on how much that is taking up your, your life and your headspace. Um, mm -hmm. obviously, mm -hmm. yes, there is a, uh, proponent on somebody's weight, depending on the type of eating disorder, but that is even tricky too, because somebody can have a lot of behaviors that they're exhibiting that are, that are, uh, follow along the criteria of anorexia, but they don't, they're not the weight of somebody, you know, their BMI mm -hmm. is not the weight of somebody that uh, our, our criteria determines that person to be with anorexia, sure. which is some so, disconnect there so for sure. Kind of messed up, right? Because somebody can have yes. all these other things, but their weight doesn't fall within that category. And so they don't have the eating disorder. They're not diagnosed with that. So, and that's where not to, but like, that's where doctors get, it's very super harmful because they see them mm -hmm. as a certain weight and they think that they're healthy when their behaviors are very, very disordered and potentially mm -hmm. they, they full on have an eating disorder. Um, yeah. Fall yeah. through the cracks, oh, absolutely. right? I, saw, I think I saw something a while back. I wish I knew where it came from, but it was like a statistic that basically said 80% of people with eating disorders go yes. undiagnosed because wow. of their weight. Yep. Oh, that is it's, so de de so depressing, so sad okay. that people are falling through the cracks. It's, it's not, not okay. okay. It's not okay at all because uh, eating disorders is the number one mental illness um, for uh, mortality, the highest mortality rate. So, mm. uh, yeah, it, it's very super harmful. And, you know, people think, too, this is another stereotype that someone with an eating disorder is thin, you know, thin, white, thin white woman. That's, that's the typical. Yeah. But eating disorders are super diverse and can happen to anybody and we definitely want to put that message out there because again it's not you can't tell just by looking at somebody that they have an eating disorder it's all the behaviors mm -hmm. that they're doing what's going on mentally and and all of that so and I think on the flip side too, and this just goes along with like weight mm. bias or just our own judgment and our own biases, people who quote, look like they have an eating disorder yeah. may not, they might have something else going on or nothing going on and they're perfectly healthy. Like our standards for what an eating disorder should quote unquote look like mm -hmm. are so variable, change all the time. And it's, uh, it's just a, it's such an unhealthy way to approach it because yeah. we're wrong. Like yeah. you're just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you really don't know until you get someone to open up and sure. talk about like you said, the mental behaviors, the the thoughts that they're having. And I love that you made that distinction of it's a mental illness. This is not something you can necessarily will yourself right. into. Um, so I, I just think that's really powerful. And so you guys use, I'm, I'm guessing here, but I would love for you to fill in the blanks here. Of you guys use in your practice um, intuitive eating as a tool for eating disorder uh, patients. And, and when does that kind of come into place right at the beginning yeah. or towards the oh, end or great. what does that look like? And I know everyone's different. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Disclaimer yeah, there. Sure. So, um, with the, my, uh, working at Ipono. So, um, it depends. So that since they are in an outpatient level, um, they need to have, uh, some understanding of their hunger cues because someone who is, um, in, very sick in their eating disorder we cannot be like oh yeah let's focus on intuitive eating that is not going to work yeah right the brain yeah, right. is malnourished their body mm -hmm. they are not able to connect their brain to their body and so mm -hmm. uh we or their feelings too to their body so we have to make sure that we're nourishing their bodies and um that's yeah again more for more residential so 
Um, but for in terms of outpatient, so yeah, we look at intuitive eating for sure. And it just depends on that client. It's all individualized obviously, right? So we can't, it's not right. super general, but depends on the client, but we do focus on the intuitive eating principles because this is a, an amazing approach to help them understand their bodies and gain that connection with and trust with their bodies. So uh, we, we look at the principles um, and again, at the outpatient level, they definitely should be able to, to take those principles and work with them and um, learn more about mm. themselves through them. I yeah, love that. So, mm -hmm. And same with my, so that's like Ipono, that uh, the eating disorder clinic where I work. And then um, in my practice, I, because again, that's, it's outpatient. I mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. do not take somebody that has a severe and is very sick in their eating disorder. So someone who has maybe gone, is in recovery and working towards um, healing their relationship with food and has the motivation to like really wants it. They really want recovery because it's hard um, mm, to work yeah. with someone that is not, not motivated and I can motivate them and help them see the, the reasons why to a certain degree, but they are the ones who are investing in this and paying for this. So they have to be, uh, have some motivation for change. Uh, and we, yeah, we definitely focus on the intuitive eating principles, just including, I think the main thing that when I first start with somebody, um, who has an eating disorder in my private practice is just depending on where they are, but just introducing more food, like let's add a snack in here. Let's add another protein yes. source here. Because again, when the brain is malnourished, how are they going to think clearly? How are they going to want to recover? We have to start with nourishing their mind first as nourishing their body first um, in order for them to, to see changes or want change too. So, so important yeah. to nourish that brain. It, it is literally like the life house of our bodies and our thoughts and, and all of those things are coming from our brain. So we need to obviously nourish it, but it, it is something that people forget that we're just so focused on weight. We're not paying attention to, nor our organs need yes. energy to function in order to continue to be able to be intuitive. So I love that so much. And I love your practice. So if you guys follow her on Instagram, very grace-based, very uh, permission-oriented and welcoming and loving. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit about, um, we kind of talked a little off air, like our favorite principles of intuitive mm -hmm. eating. They're all important, but really giving that permission to eat and having that grace approach. Can you talk a little bit about how you use that in your one-on-one -on -one practice or group coaching practice, how you utilize that grace piece um, to get people to a place where they can um, eat yeah, all foods? Yeah. I, I love that word grace. That's what, obviously why I chose it, but it's such a great word because it, it just brings a lot of compassion True. and patience and forgiveness to yourself because mm -hmm. people who are dealing with disordered eating are so hard on themselves. They, if they don't eat something, they're hard on themselves. If they do eat something, they're hard on themselves. And so when we approach mm -hmm. it from a grace filled mindset, we're saying, I'm not going to get this right all the time. It's okay if I um, eat something that maybe diet culture has deemed as bad. This is part yeah. of being a human and to approach it with that, uh, that forgiveness. So something, so grace is something that you give yourself, even though you feel like you don't deserve it. So that's the same thing with this. So in the more that my clients are putting this into practice, the easier it is, the easier, you know, they don't even have to think, oh, let me give myself grace. It just naturally comes to themselves. Um, 
and and it's about the words that they're saying to themselves too or are they saying oh i'm so bad for eating this food or um yeah just any you know mean comments that we that have we have going on in our mind so instead they're approaching it from a more neutral standpoint or just a more forgiving uh, mindset and uh yeah totally. with in especially with the giving yourself permission to eat it's super scary when you first get into that and people may feel out of control they feel like something's wrong with them they still feel guilt after eating because you're introducing foods that you've been told have been off limits for so long and yeah it's just scary i, re I remember like being in that moment being like oh my gosh yeah. should i have this can i have this you know um and you yeah. just feel guilt afterwards but it's with the habituation, right? The more that you introduce that food, the less fearful it becomes, the more comfortable you feel with it. And so that coupling with giving yourself grace and talking to yourself with compassion, um, those two things mm -hmm. can just, yeah, it's definitely a way, uh, the avenue to heal your relationship to food. Yeah, I love that. Um, one thing that Alyssa and I talk a lot about to our members is like exactly what you said, coming at it from a place of compassion and curiosity instead of guilt and shame. And so when we're making decisions and we're again, having grace with ourselves, I love that word. I love that that's part of your program. I think that's so important with when it comes to like talking to ourselves um, and our bodies and talking about food specifically, I think we have to come at it from a place of grace and compassion or we're not going to be successful and we can never like self talk in a negative way enough to like bully ourselves into it. And I think that's something that you see, to you see it so much too, is people for so long, like we bully ourselves into, you know, well, if I talk negatively enough about food or my body, I'll just stop doing right. it. And like what we've realized with intuitive eating is that doesn't work. We have to come at it from a place of compassion. We have to change our self-talk. We have to change just the way we talk about food in our body, or we're not going to see that success. I feel like that's probably the biggest roadblock I see, but I would love to hear, um, kind of how you handle that specifically. If you have a few tips or, um, what the biggest roadblock you see with this is. Yeah, that's so good. And that just reminds me what you said about shame that, you know, Brene Brown, my girl, mm. love Brene Brown. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she right? talks about shame. I mean, that's her, her whole, whole research is about shame yeah. and shame is not a motivator. I remember there was someone no. on TikTok that was like, no, the more that you, you know, beat yourself up or, you know, the more critical you are to yourself that will help you well like you said not do that thing or to do that thing and it's like that is not going to last maybe that lasts one time maybe that that's not going to last yep. long term and that's not that's like into putting some sort of stress on the body which is not good so you're yes. you're stressing yeah. out your mind you're stressing out your body to get yourself to do something mm, no let's not mm -hmm. let's not approach it in that way um yeah so yeah, we're definitely looking at it from a uh, gentle mindset and just with um, the introducing more food. So just taking it step by step and like day by day. Let's not like, let's just not introduce like five different foods that you have told yourself is off limits. You know, some people That's want, good. it's like the all or nothing mentality where it's just like, oh, okay, let me just introduce them all and like, I'll be fine. No, you're, you're going to freak out. You're not going to feel good. You're going to <laughs> feel... You're, you're going to quit. quit. You're going to be like, this is not for me. Yeah. Like what? It's broken. I'm broken. You know, people always blame it on themselves mm -hmm. too. Um, so yeah. So just approaching it 
like very gently and approaching with especially introducing those uh, foods that were off limits um, one at a time. And I always, I think affirmations and like having catchphrases that you can grab onto and say are really important. So I created a bunch for my clients that they can use, <clears throat> but this is, this is important. So when you feel like this guilt is starting to set in, what can you say to yourself and what can you repeat to yourself that will help you during that hard time? Um, so there's, mm -hmm. you know, a variety of different things. My favorite one is all foods have purpose in my life, or there's no such thing mm -hmm. as good and bad foods. That's a simple one. Um, yeah, those, those phrases. So that's, I guess, a tip. <laughs> I love yeah, that's, really that's such a good one. And actually, you guys can't see this because you're listening to the podcast. But while she said that, she said catchphrase and she actually like looked like she was catching something out of the air. <laughs> and it was ac it actually like, triggered something so powerful in me that I was like, oh, my gosh, catchphrase. Like you're literally catching the thought that's coming out of your brain, talking to yourself. You're catching it midair and you're like, uh, -uh. Mm -hmm. and that today, bad thought. We're going to turn you around. We're going to catch this phrase. and We're going to turn it into something good. And it was really cool to watch you do that because I was like, I've never connected the word catchphrase before. I haven't either. With that because we. We usually say like mm -hmm. mantras and affirmations, affirmations yeah. but catchphrase, I love that, that so much. That just came to me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, you literally did it. that out of the air. Like, <laughs> catch it. I'm going to catch it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm Italian. Um, I so use that my was hands really cool. Yeah. Yes. I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and I love too, like what we're talking about here is the shame. Like shaming yourself into change is just like you said, it's not sustainable, mm -hmm. even if it does work for you. I want to give kind of a visualization example here. Clearly I'm a very love visual it. person. Yeah. Um, but for me, I remember being told in workout videos or at workout classes or with whoever who I was putting in charge of something that they should not be in charge of. But I remember them saying like tips were to buy clothes too small, oh. to have fitted workout clothes so that way when you're working out, you see your body in the mirror mm. and you want to change it. I remember this. And here's the thing is like, in the moment, I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. I'm going to look at myself and go, I better do 15 more or whatever. But what ends up happening is I don't put on those clothes because I'm uncomfortable and I just avoid it altogether and talk about the all or nothing mentality. If I don't have a supportive system, whether that's literally supportive clothes, supportive people, a safe environment to, to share things, to feel safe, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to show up. I'm not going right. to go, right? right? Like, I'm literally just not going to go because I'm uncomfortable because I'm physically uncomfortable. I feel stuffed into clothes. I, it's like, I think we can all picture that, right? I feel like that it was a common tip that a lot of people got that I'm just like, no, that actually makes zero sense at all. And actually when I, when I put, when I buy clothes that fit my here and now body and I feel comfortable and I go to a place where I'm accepted and, and encouraged I want to go yes. there more. It's an incentive to feel grace, mm. right? And to feel accepted. And those are the feelings that we we strive for as humans. So when we are making these healthy habit switches, whether it's in the joyful movement space or the eating space or mind space or prayer or whatever mm -hmm. your connection is, you want to be in a place that's comfortable, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like, I just, I oh my gosh, that. I just yeah. think it's such a good visualization of it. Like who's going to want to go there? Right. No one. One of my clients. <laughs> or not no, for very long. For sure. One of my clients recently, she is getting into um, mindful movement, joyful movement. And she is, has told me that she used to just beat herself up, like so much inner critic and so much shame around mm. her body. And recently she's just had such a pivotal moment with this and that she's 
she's like cheering herself on. She's praising herself. And mm. that makes her want to do movement more because it feels good because she's not yeah. in this shameful mindset. She's giving herself grace. She's understanding yeah. where her body is. She's trusting her body. Uh, mm. And she just enjoys it so much more. She used to be so like adverse to uh, to moving her body in any way. But now she's like, I thoroughly enjoy it because I'm talking to myself more kindly. I am, mm. I'm just doing what I enjoy. So that it, it's so powerful. It really is. And when you think of that again, if your internal space is negative, where you're talking to yourself poorly, you're beating yourself up, you're a harsh critic, why would you ever want to turn inward? Why would you ever want to be intuitive? Why would you ever want to have mindfulness, yoga, practice, look inward and say, what, what am I feeling? You wouldn't want to be there. So you're going to check yep. out. You're going to gonna look to external motivators. You're going to look to external people. You're going to check out of your own body and you're going to zone out on your phone. You're going to look at the TV because you don't want to deal with what's going Amazing. on inside. It's just yep. so, so, I mean, it, it makes total sense when you change the thoughts, the dialogues, the things internal, you're going to want to turn in more and more. And that's really beautiful that you're seeing that in your clients because gosh, how life changing, right? Like so, sometimes I just like, and that's, that's where yeah, I love the work so that it. I do because this is my passion. Like this is, I feel like this is my, mm. my purpose in life. And, mm -hmm. uh, I, because this is my purpose and I thoroughly enjoy it and I'm able to help others get rid of their worries around food, around their body mm -hmm. so that they can in turn live out their passion and purpose in life and don't have food taking up so much headspace in their mind. And that, oh gosh, it just is so rewarding. Wow. And so like, yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful yeah that's an amazing mission mm. to live with yeah oh my gosh I guess that's kind of a good segue then I know how to work with you and honestly Alyssa and I've been getting a lot of questions lately about like who's a great dietitian to work with I have an eating disorder and so Jenna <laughs> that's amazing we love to we love to just find other dietitians that we can refer out because that is not Alyssa specialty or my specialty. So please yeah. let us know how to find you and work with you. We would love to share you. Awesome. Thank you guys. Um, so yeah, my, my Instagram handle is uh, balanced with a D at the end, balance.nutrition. Um, my website is Jenna Corsi. So C-O-R-S-I nutrition.com. So Jenna Corsi nutrition.com. What else? Yeah. Those are, those are the main things. <laughs> so you guys can find me there. And you do, you do one-on-one -on -one and Correct. group, you yeah. said, right? So you got a group program coming up yeah, soon. Yeah, so I start, my Is next right? group starts middle of January. So it's my Grace Over Guilt program. So that's intuitive eating foundation. So we go over the intuitive eating principles. It's a three-month program. Um, and so that group starts, like I said, in January. But then my one-on-one -on -one is um, just depending on my availability. But right now I'm still taking one-on-one. -on -one. So if anybody is interested and wants to feel more uh, confident in their food choices and heal their relationship with food. I am, I'm still taking one-on-one. -on -one, so. Yes. And love that. guys go check out her Instagram. I love all your dancing reels. <laughs> they like make me so happy, but my favorites are when your grandma is in it. Like oh. those, I'm like the best thing. So if you can just keep making reels dancing with your grandma I specifically, do that. Like, I never thought my so dancing good. would be such a hit. It makes me want to dance just more yeah. and more. It's so fun. I have it's so fun. much fun with it. It's great. 
Yes. And I know. Reels are so they fun. Are. They're so good. Yeah. TikTok, good old TikTok. But I'm actually going home yeah. to Boston for a month. And so I will be able to see, because my Nana, my Nana lives in Boston. So I will be recording Yay. some more with her. Good. She's good. That's find amazing. The simple ones, the simple dance moves. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, yes. That's incredible. I'm so excited to see them. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe snag a few pasta oh, recipes for 100%. us too, okay? Well, I, I try. I'm like, Nana, can I share the pumpkin whoopie pies? I don't know if you guys saw those, but, and she was like, let's uh-uh. keep it within the family. And I'm like, okay, Nana. I'm like, that's so funny. All right. So All you guys right. got to go to Boston. Yeah, come, come over. Yeah. Once COVID's done, uh, once COVID's done, we'll have a big family right, exactly. party. Yeah. A whoopie pie party. Uh, Jenna, thank you so much for coming on. It was so great to chat with you. And just thank you so much for um, giving us all these tips and tricks and things to think about and just really, really powerful. So thank you. And thank you for all you do. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. And it's been nice getting to know you on social media and now obviously through the podcast. But thank you guys for your time. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you too. And to everyone who's listening, we will see you next week. See you later. Bye.